Hey guys, Riley here. Episode 13's upon us, and it's uh, it's a good one. It's our first one on the road. We went and we met the Velt at the club they were playing at, and uh, it's got a little bit of a different energy to it. And not just because, you know, I had too many beers beforehand, which was also the case. Um, but it was it's a different energy because we're actually there's the excitement of sort of uh, a live show atmosphere in the air, and also. Um, there, the doors had opened for the show by the time they were able to come speak to us, and so you're you're gonna hear music in the background, um, which I've tried to I've tried to get out of I've tried to scrub it out as much as possible, um, and so we sort of hop from mic to mic to mic to mic. So you might be missing sometimes uh, the first little bit of a word might be cut off, or you might only hear somebody laughing in uh, in sort of as a like sort of a bit of an echo and that's just to kind of keep the noise down as much as possible while keeping everybody's words uh listenable now for those of you who don't know the Velt have an interesting history in that um they've been around since the late 80s their early 90s and they were told at the time that their mixture of sort of soul and shoegaze elements were unmarketable they were um the music promoters, uh, music executives, uh, anybody who was in the music business sort of shrugged them off as this curious wonder that no one wanted to touch because no one knew how to, like, quote, promote them. And one of the great ironies about that is that now in 2016, producers for a lot of the... A lot of the world's biggest, most intriguing acts, like uh, The Weeknd or Miguel, are citing specifically The Velt and the albums they were doing at that time that were deemed unmarketable as their sources of inspiration, as people who were doing things that we're only now catching up to. And I think that's one of the things that gives this interview sort of uh, a little bit of electric feel, because these guys, they're finally, this is their first... EP that they've done since reforming as the Velt, and they're doing it all. They're producing, they're recording, they're mixing. Uh, I think they had someone else master it, but we get into that a little bit at the end. Um, and you just really get a sense that it, these guys love making music, and they just love making it the way that they want to make it. And so, yeah. Episode 13, The Velt. It's a pretty good one. Oh, 
And the only thing we want to ask about uh, the past, because I know, I feel like on this tour, you guys have been asked a, a ton about different things about the past. Um, do you guys feel vindicated at this point? Like you, you look at how music is going on at this point and it's sort of everything that you guys were trying to do. Yeah, um, over the past years. Maybe it's over. Now here we are. Maybe it's over. What are we all, what, 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 what we got man? You know? Yeah, I mean, somewhere, because I, like I said, I told people that I always thought this music was the music of the future. You know, I didn't think it got a chance. It's like when we came out, grunge was really popping off, man. You know what I'm saying? I mean, uh, Kurt Cobain killed himself while we were in Las Vegas with, with the Cocktail Twins. And we just saw the definite impact of that. I mean, It's yeah. one of those things where every single time you see an interview with you guys, you just say, no one's getting us. No one's getting us. No one's getting us. And now it seems like they get it now. fucking, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but the thing about it is we fall, we fall between the cracks of a lot of stuff. You know, you have big genres like friends of ours who are really cool. And we're the only ones that kind of fall through the cracks. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. We have friends that, you know, that in bands. And, you know, they were around when we were around before, but they never really got it. You know what I mean? Like, that, like, 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 we, we spend most of our time talking about what color we are more than the music. Yeah. Now, it almost seems like uh, listening to, let me make sure I get this right, the shocking fur of your electric fur, the shocking... Shock buzz, buzz. Shock of your buzz. electric fur. No, Sorry. that sounded better what you said. <laughs> <laughs> When you listen to that, it starts off, and it's almost like a giant fuck you to everyone who said you couldn't be in one genre or another genre or something because it's just like, oh wait, here's a little bit of shoegaze, and then goddamn, there's trap, and it just blows you but, away. But we had to be come to Canada to get it done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, apparently. Where to come to Canada? Taking off here. I mean, you know, we 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 had some great times here, man. Yeah, yeah man. This is your first I mean, time. Well, our first big tour uh, was Jesus Mary Chain. At the, Met what, in the Metropolitan? Uh, the Metro at the, at something the Metro here in, something in, in back Canada. in 1989. We toured with them uh, here at the Metropolitan, and then we went to Toronto. We went Toronto Hall. at the Mas Masonic, Hall, Masonic, Masonic Hall. Yeah. Amazing. Our first but here's the thing. Canada. Like, when you listen to, like, uh, earlier today, because your, uh, your EP just went live, like, at 11.30 this morning. I was like, really? I, I yeah, need to yeah. make sure that, uh, we're <laughs> that we're completely up to date. Once I started listening to it, it was like I had to search, is there such a thing as shoegaze trap? And then I searched it and there was nothing. There was you guys and there was fucking like really, really misguided remixes of the XX. And that was all there is. <laughs> I'm sorry. Amen. I went to say, I, I'm not mad at them, but I went to see them in Radio City. Uh, it, it, I thought they sounded a bit like everything but the girl. And they were great. Okay. <laughs> but after a while, you're like, okay. You're like, okay, I, 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 I'm not mad at him. No, I'm not mad at him. Because, you no. know, like, there's not, I mean, when we first started doing this this record, we just approached it the same way we always looked at into all of our ideas. We were big fans of, like, you know, of course we grew up with, with you know, with hip-hop and stuff. Yeah, but absolutely. The, recently, we've been coming into play with a lot of uh, underground trap music, you know, like uh, down booty bass music from Atlanta. And, you know, we from North Carolina, so we basically get all that stuff. So... We, you know, one day I listened to like some Drake tracks and I was like, okay, well, man, that's a good vibe to it. What if we put this, the music behind that, you know? And the music definitely took on that kind of persona, like shoegaze kind of trap, so-called shoegaze trap music, <laughs> you know? So we recreated the tracks. While you guys were doing it, at what point did you feel like this was, this needs to be the belt sort of re-kickstarted? Yeah. Well, I and mean, what, what is it? Like sort of 2016 is the. This the, is Marvin. Marvin's joining us hey, now. Marvin, come yeah, on, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we, we we like we never we always kept up with the times when all the other shoegaze bands broke up. So we always moved through through trip hop. We moved through 
so-called shoegazing early on. We kept we kept evolving when everybody else stopped the music, you know. So basically, me and Hayato and Daniel and Marvin, well, we kind of come up with that kind of style on our own. Kind of, you know, there's nobody else to show us, you know. Like I was going to say, when the Cocteau Twins were coming up near the end, Robin Guthrie was working with Seafield. Uh, and uh, and he was beginning to be more open about working with beats and things, which is kind of disappointing. So we just took off from that because I believe the Cocteau Twins would have evolved into more beat-oriented things too, you know. So we take all the beats that we hear every day from trap music to booty-based music, you know, down south music, you know, basically just make it like, like we do, like trap. Trying to bass. Yeah. 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 But here's the thing is like you guys do music that like, at the time, and I can't imagine what it's like living like this, wherein people say at the time, we can't market this, and it's the goddamn future of what music is going to be. And then at this time, how are you supposed to like readjust, how, realign your sights and say, okay, now we've already predicted what music is. What do we do at that point where we're now in the future? That has to be so much like weight on your soldier shoulders. Well, sorry, I had like nine beers while you guys were waiting. Uh, uh, <laughs> you got some weight on your shoulders. Yeah. yeah, he's got some weight Sorry, on get his some shoulders. more weight over here. Well, yeah, come on in. Sorry, um, can we slide on in? Hey, slide <laughs> in. We can share a mic over here. Yeah, Mark. If you want to, come on in. Yeah, dive on in. <laughs> Family Guy, episode twenty-three. I'm sorry, that was American Dad. Sorry. They aren't in the business of predicting, they're in the business of following current trends. And so you just have to sit still. You know you're on a major label. You're happy for the ability to go to London and record, which you can't do by yourself. You're happy for the tour bus so you can play constant shows every day with a bigger band who's not going to wait for you. And it's just, uh, you can see that they're not bright enough to follow the future or to predict the future. So it's kind of sad. Yeah, and it was a good, yeah, poignant, a poignant part where in Angel Heart, the guy goes, Mr. Angel, I've been on this planet since the beginning of time, and let me tell you something, the future isn't what it used to be. So, so that's kind of what it's like. Do you feel... This music? Like, yes. <laughs> do you feel... I, I guess I gotta return my uh, my first question. Do you guys feel vindicated? Like, like, fuck, everybody is doing what we were trying to do 20 years ago do yeah. you guys do you yeah. guys feel good Some, about that yeah I feel good about it. yeah somewhere. the I best parts of my podcast is when I'm just like yeah. no Adam shouldn't be in that <laughs> shut up shut up just a little bit no um, no. <laughs> no no we feel great about it because we're seeing people like you guys yeah coming Get out it. and liking our stuff when before couldn't even couldn't give it away yeah, yeah exactly so many bands that have been ahead of the curve in different genres all kinds of I mean look at uh Lanois and uh look at Brian Eno look at uh uh, Ferry, Brian Ferry, all those Lanois, he was ahead, nobody wanted to hear uh, Street Has No Name and uh, that U2 Joshua Tree they had to put that out and let people understand this is what people like to listen to, record company uh, Geffen signed uh, Kurt Cobain and Nirvana and they already had the Bleach EP he didn't even know that he had a hit on his hands they had to call him on some island and say guess what, Nirvana's blowing up so they can't even predict what they've signed much less, so we can't really be mad that we've had chances and people didn't really catch on because there's so many other people that are catching on. Kids are just now looking at Velvet Underground and going, that's some great shit. Yeah. yeah. yeah right. 40 years later, but... Like when Lou Reed came back up, when, he, when the Velvets got back together in the 90s, I think they got back at a reunion. Yeah, for you too. And, and he said, and he asked Lou what he, th what he thought about it. He said, well, you know, people who, who liked it back then 
uh, will like it. And those who probably don't like it still won't like it. But we're still going to play and have and do our music. I, I guess it's, it's a really good analogy. It's like the Velvet Underground. Let's yeah. think about the, uh, some bands that are reuniting now. I mean, not a Guns N' Roses, but more avant-garde bands. You know Can what you I mean? Can you even imagine if like we were trying to compare you to Guns N' Roses? It's like, this is just like so much better because like we listened to what you guys did today. Well, what you released today, which you guys have probably been sitting on for yeah, months. But we're coming back for our art to be heard for the first time. Someone like Guns N' Roses is coming back for a cash grab. They don't even like each other. So, sure. I mean, what do you think about <laughs> yeah. bands like there's a plethora of bands that are now, you know, Echo and the Bunnyman's going to be hot. They're on tour. Yeah, I know. Echo and the now, here's something. Right? What do you guys want to a uh, what do you guys want to accomplish by having by coming back as the belt at this point? What is what is it that is significant about reclaiming that name, about doing music in 2016 as the belt? What well, is, we never well, we never really stopped. So we never really stopped playing. I mean, we we've always done done like the sound. We just developed it into what it is right now. I mean, we've always used tracks and this kind of things like that. You know, and we, we're, we're pushing the envelope, so to speak. You know, we, we, we want to come back and play to everyone and share the music to people who didn't get a chance to hear it the first time. Because a lot of these bands are not around anymore. So yeah. we're like, oh, we were actually there. We played with, you know, Cocktail Twins, Mary Chain, Pixies. We were, we, we, we were there. Yeah. So we're lucky to all be alive and share with, with you guys and, and have a good time. You know what I'm saying? And it, it's, it's kind of miraculous, but it skipped a generation. You know, <laughs> it did. Yeah. You know, like I, I give you an example. When I saw Matsy Star, they played about maybe like a year ago. Now, it had been a while since they had anything out. And then we know there's a big divide between bands back then and now. Man, they took that stage and it was like the audience was in awe because there's so much fabricated talent out there now. To see the real thing, I was like, yeah, y'all go ahead and show them how to do it, man. They did too. They did too. I, mean, I was like, okay, that girl laid it down for you people, man. You know, because they, they never saw a band like that and we feel that same way you know we got to show people what they missed out on and hopefully they'll catch on I mean I think it's a perfect time because like you said these other bands are coming back around but we I mean we, we, we it's a perfect time because the, the kids understand it now so 60s bands didn't really come back for us in the 80s Not like really. hey we're into the who did right the they, I guess they had a lot of drugs or something. Kiss. What do you guys think, do you think the, band. the reason is for that? I mean, D they never went away to Hulu, actually. Yeah, Kiss never went away, did they? Uh, actually, I went to their farewell tour in Hamilton, yeah. and they came back like five minutes, five years later. I don't know. Okay, about I, forget Kiss, about, I forget about your favorite we band. We all dress like Kiss <laughs> in sixth grade. Every talent Sorry. show, we are dressed like Kiss. We all play like Kiss. But real bands from the 60s that weren't wearing pancake makeup and high heel monster shoes what about the real bands that we like in the 80s that we go back? These guys have influenced me with a lot of, they like the Yardbirds. They like uh, Velvet Underground, for instance. Pink Floyd, uh, you know. Yeah. Sid Pink Barrett. Floyd, Pink Floyd on uh, One Day Out of Our Life. Those drums, they just sort of hang over you like a Pink Floyd out. Like Pink Floyd fucking, well, uh, what is it? Uh, remember, animals. Remember a Day. Yeah, yeah, remember yeah, day. yeah, exactly. Remember a Day is like a track that uh, Rick Wright wrote, but Sid Barrett played guitar on it. Mm. So I was thinking about that kind of track when we did One Day Out of Life, that kind of... And those drums are sort of hovering yeah. over you. But uh, that's a Drake track, Drake. That's actually a Drake track we recreated. But let's talk, uh, and I'm trying to get through, I've got like 90 points about you guys, because the last two weeks I've just obsessed, I've, I've tried to, uh, I looked at your Wikipedia page, I saw that, holy shit, 
uh, like even your Wikipedia page is just like these guys didn't get enough attention at their time. Like your Wikipedia page is defensive. It makes people want to seek you guys out I more. I didn't even write that at all. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't even write that. Well, did, you, did, you, did, you, did you write that? Have you seen it? I mean, there's there's a review of us by uh, the guy that did World Shut Your Mouth. What's his name? Julian Cope. Julian Cope said that uh, Aphrodisiac was one of his favorite albums. Oh, yeah. I never even oh, seen yeah, it. The teardrop explodes. Yeah. yeah. He did a review of us. He wrote a review of Aphrodisiac. Like, oh, man. I love, oh, okay. love these guys. <laughs> you know? Just okay? No, <laughs> no he, 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 he was, was like, raving about it. He was it. very he detailed it. about it. It was very... No, you guys were just okay. Like that's well, I was surprised, but at that time <laughs> yeah. we, we weren't playing as much. So it was after the fact. There was a period where we didn't play that much. We were just writing and trying to actually culminate the idea of what, what direction we were going to go into, which had already been what we had been. Because you know there was a lull for like, because you know what, once you, you, you dig for gold, gold, the gold rises to the top and the sediment goes to the bottom. So there are a lot of bands that went to the bottom, but we stayed up like kind of in the middle. Until we just kept, we, we never stopped. But we had our share of bottom, bottom feeding. Yeah, we never stopped. So, you know, like like the Bunnymen. So, I mean, I, I'm just kind of like waiting for something fucked up to happen. So, <laughs> what, I, what I look, you know. Uh, we're positive about it. We're happy. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's some positive thinking. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so one of the things I love about this album, and you guys mentioned Brian Eno and Joshua Tree earlier, the atmosphere on this album is incredible. I just want I just want to get a sense if you guys can talk about because I feel like it all starts from at least a single guitar lick. I'm trying to speak up as much as possible. Which, which, which one? Um, one day about. out of our life. Oh, oh I'm gonna be at this song. Uh, can you just talk about like layering on those guitar beds, trying to trying to make that sound because it is like sort of it's almost like molasses the way that it comes in. You you never know when a when a chord change is coming, it's 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 beautiful, and I wish people at home could see how many hand moments I'm doing, but they can't. Um, and I apologize about that. No, it's um, all good, man. Normally I'm more articulate, but I've had again like nine beers. Uh, can you? <laughs> Woo. Well, I mean the the guitar. Well, the guitar. So we start with the beat first. A Drake. It was a Drake Drake beat, and then Hayato recreated the beat, and then we kind of got. We had been listening to a lot of Sun Ra. Alice Coltrane, Alice Coltrane, right? So, and uh, uh, Flying Saucer Attack, Spaceman 3. So I got one one rhythm lick that sounded good when you loop, it's a loop that played, right? In and out. So we played to the loop and create a chord progression. It's like an unorthodox chord progression. And then we took a break in the middle, like from uh, Pink Floyd's Astronomy, Astronomy Domini. Pink Floyd, Sid Barrett, yeah? So it breaks down and then and it goes back out into that tag out like that. So we layered it and layered it until we got that kind of sound, you know. But me and Hayato have been listening to Alice Coltrane a lot. And, uh, um, you know, like I said, Sun Ra, a lot of the things that he did flowed percussively. And we didn't want to make it like a typical song. Like a, every song has like a break or a bridge like that. So we kind of get into the habit of making things kind of flow this time around. You'll see tonight, we oftentimes create an atmosphere first. Yeah. But that song was just pure atmosphere. It, and I guess, it, it, did anybody else want to speak on that? Hey, my wife's going to translate. <laughs> Perfect. Amazing. So basically it starts with the tracks, maybe the drum, maybe the drum tracks as well. Um, you start with all of that and you play around with the EQ. 
to make it the balance that you're feeling at the time. And then you start to layer it with maybe some more guitar or whatever other instrument that you add to it. And as the layers um, envelop each other, that's when you start hearing other melodies, maybe other melodies from the instruments, maybe another guitar, and it just creates an atmosphere itself. So not only are we creating the music itself, the track itself, but also the track itself is influencing us and almost as if it's telling us to go in this direction. <laughs> Fuck yes! <laughs> great answer, great yeah, answer. You, 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 you're this bullshitty fan. What, 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 what do you say? The track is influencing us. <laughs> yeah, I like that. that. I like that. You know How about that. You know, this guy right here is like, uh, uh, have you ever heard of, you know, before the Jesus Murray chain in Japan, there's a band called Raleigh's Desnudes, which is a Japanese noise band. The predates Jesus Murray chain by what, 60s, right? Yeah. Uh, 90s, 60s. A Japanese noise band is called like Raleigh's Desnudes. You should check them out, man. There's a just noise kind of band from Japan, and they're like kind of like we're all black and stuff, and the songs are kind of like amorphous. So we've got into that kind of stuff lately, man. I've been doing like a lot of stuff like that. Can I ask? So I listened to the EP, and like I'm anxiously awaiting the LP. The the vocals are almost apart from the first uh, song. They're almost uh, intentionally obscured in some way. There there's a lot of reverb. There's a lot of chorus. The same tonight. What was it that made you guys want to step back a little bit and say things sort of more in a wall of sound, almost like a Phil Spector sort of way, which is just sort of... Well, in the beginning, when we did Velt Records, we did Velt Records, um, they always made us put our vocals up front because I can, I can basically sing, right? But as a certain, as a certain uh, uh, area where you can cross before it becomes corny. And my, my voice is like, it's like in a bed. If you get in the bed, you lay down, you put the covers on top of you, and it's kind of sandwiched. Just enough for you to, to breathe. So, a lot of people in the indie world are, are kind of afraid of a person that can actually sing. Because the person that can actually sing is gonna try to be kind of corny with our kind of, kind of like, you know, uh, uh, Star Search bullshit, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I do it naturally, but I know when to stop. And because I can't sing like that, so. You know, I'm trying to copy, you know, Bono. Bono's my idol. I love him. Luther. Uh, Luther Vandross is my idol. I love him. Uh, Ian McCulloch was one of my biggest influences. I know. Is singing so cool and when is it now? Well, we got a review in Option Magazine. Funny you might say that, young man. And they said, I love the Velt record, but the singer's too damn soulful. What? That was a 94. Be great. Oh, sorry. We'd like to apologize right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, I know. We loved uh, Jeff Buckley. We've seen him a million times. Yeah. And I mean, he, yeah. he has an indie band and he sings uh, like an angel. Yeah. Uh, hallelujah. I mean, yeah. and Absolutely. so. People see, again, like major labels, people see what they want to see. People have sat in front of us and said, I hear living color. <laughs> serious uh, interviews. That's, that's it. That's it. And, uh, you know, if he does something that rotates like Willow Tree or Angel Heart or any of these songs where the melodies on the guitar are rotating, people look at that as some loud because it's voluminous. He's Vernon Reed. 
and it's not it's not at all similar. Now, if people hear that these days, like 2016, people hear, oh, you guys sound like in living color. You guys sound like um, who is that? Uh, Lenny Kravitz. You guys got compared to that. Who was that? And, guy? and in 2016, the, that sounds like absolutely ridiculous. I, I don't think anyone in, said that in 2016 yet. Like in like in your prime, you give hear chance, that. What is your initial reaction? That's got to be absolutely I'm, 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 fucking. I'm, 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 wait, wait. How we solve that is just to be as loud as fuck. Then they can't say shit. You just try and explain it to them and, and talk about the nuances of music. Yeah. You can't just. You're seeing something. Yeah, okay? exactly. You're not listening. They're, they, they, they're not listening. They're looking at something. When you come up and you ask us, do we play reggae music or why is the white guy or Japanese guy playing with you? We have visual assumptions. Not. We're not listening to the music. Yeah. Oftentimes they haven't even heard the music. They just yeah. wonder why. What's this, you know? Yeah. We embrace that. We want to explain to people. We want to play and we want to have fun. And if that means explaining what you're doing, you can't just come out with some crazy new invention or a different look that people don't understand and expect people to just assimilate. So it's not a problem. If I can go back in two sec, um, 2016, you guys wrote, produced, mixed. You did everything for this album. Was there ever a moment where you guys sort of felt like no, 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 no not really. <laughs> we never did. I mean, we we're glad we we're glad we don't have somebody over our backs to tell us what to do. I mean, we had people telling us a lot of stuff like too many guitars, uh, why you using a drum machine? You need to be doing you know yeah. like I, like just on stage and playing too loud or like you know you should have your face on the cover. Then we can do what we want to be made on a major label. Was no. that no? It couldn't have no. The vocals are too buried. Yeah. Who the fuck is telling you guys that you guys are playing too loud? That Back blows my mind. Back, Back then, then they did. Yeah. Because, because, you see, they're not used to, like... What like, they haven't seen yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah what they, they don't have still. on their roster. You know, uh, what like, they don't have on their stereo at home with a mound of cocaine. Sorry. That's yeah. what they're accustomed right. to. Yeah. Now, and if they did have some cocaine while they're listening, listening to us, they'd be all right. Maybe they get the idea. You know, they're that far out. Because, yeah. like, to us, this is natural. We've been doing this for years. But there's some people who just, you know... Don't make, make the connection, and it's a, a time waster for us. We're like, okay, all right, gotta go. Okay, one thing I gotta ask, and it's specific to this album. It's, I would say, more ambient than uh, it, it, I. I hate saying more ambient in this okay. we don't mind. context, no. Uh, no. which is just like, I feel like I would be stabbed at any moment, uh, mostly by them, but uh, from other people as well. <laughs> um, but uh, let's let's talk about like ambience. Ambience, uh, when did that sort of creep into? Because I know you guys did Apollo Heights, um, and that took you guys in a certain direction. Um, it, when did you guys decide that Velt would come back and then Velt would be sort of well, more, well, well, more ambient? Well, more ambience. Well, the, the, we were always ambient, but it only got it only got done on Marigolds, only a little bit, but then full throttle kind of on right now. Aphro, aphro, aphrodisiac, then over the top now. Yeah. Yeah. But we, we were going to go in that direction anyway, because Apollo Heights was Velt demos that were becoming developed. But then we stopped. To be quite honest, it didn't really start until no. till, until now, because Hayato and I were looking for a guitar player that could to accommodate our sound. We could never find anybody to get that sound. You know what I'm saying? That kind of ambient kind of vibe that we wanted to put in. So we, once she started playing guitar, yeah, um, about a month, about no. The first show we did it with him, it was then we knew we got a sound, you know what I'm yeah. saying, that we had on record. Because I can depend upon him 
to like work with me and we work together and get the sound together. Not somebody that I have to explain to or they don't get it. They're like, like, like different people that come into our fray that like didn't want to do the sound or they want to change the sound. Come in with a fucked up looking guitar. Yeah, but now, but now with him, I can depend upon him and me to make that kind of sound, man, you know? Because it's like, it's like, like people like it, but if they get into the mix of it, they don't like it. They're like, oh man, it's just too much this or too much that. So with him, we're on the same, we're like, we're right here. Yeah. Like, like, like there's a guy that mastered our, our, our that mastered uh, the shocking for us. He goes, man, I get what you guys are doing, but you guys should sound more like this. And what do you play, Danny? <laughs> what do you play? Marv, you got to hear this. You got to hear this. On, oh, it's your boy that owned the restaurant a long time ago. He put on uh, some R&B group <laughs> that was like, you know, like some... Some it's uh, like, great, like some biker bar man. I'm like, that you know, it's what I need to do, man. Like some real stacks Motown thing. I'm like, man, this like, the '80s stuff is cool, but you need to come, you know, come on down a little bit. I'm like, nah, man. At what point did you guys stop listening to that sort of thing? Because we always did. We always did. We always did. But but we were, we were branded trouble, so you know, it's too difficult to work with. Yeah. Listen to it when someone's paying you lots of money to be in the studio. They came over to London and they had critique on the song Revolutionary Sister from Aphrodisiac mm. because the chorus wasn't first. Don't bore us, get to the chorus. And basically, we did it the way he wanted. He came back in the studio the next day. We played it for him. He got his suggestion in. He flew back to the States. We did it back the way we went on the record. They released it. He never knew the difference. Exactly. He goes, watch this. Welcome to the studio. And I went, he goes, but you're critiquing something that's already very pop oriented. Yeah, it's a three yeah. minute song. It's, it's got hooks galore. You just, they want to have their put in, their input. Yeah. There's nothing else to it. And you can't do what they're doing now with a guy over your show. I mean, that's Revolutionary Sister. This record would never be released on that label at that time in the mid 90s. But, but we, like, we always felt like, we saw a lot of like young white cats in the indie bands doing what they want to do, and we thought, hey, well, we can do this, what we want to do too. Yeah, we were very, but, 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 we were very that's naive. That's not how it went. That's not how it went. Yeah, we're I mean, very we, naive. You have people who are very, if you're not, you have two factions here. Some people think you're not black enough. Some people think you're not white enough. Yeah. You know, I mean, and, you, and we fit. We never try to fit anywhere. You know what I'm saying? Like we were too soulful for like indie people. And to you guys can swear while people. you're doing this as well. Like this is What's that? you can swear while you're doing this. We don't. Well, motherfuckers were like <laughs> yeah. Latter Day Saints. He's Jehovah's Witness. Those yeah. two are something. Motherfuckers were like, uh, well, <laughs> I remember one time there was this, this this people that they were in a group, but they were all black bands, and they told me that I sounded too white. <laughs> How do you even like, really? respond at that? So we, I was like, people say it all. The time. I was like, who is this? <laughs> Yeah. You guys, do you guys get that all the time? Yeah, people say it all the time. Yeah. I have this, this guy that <laughs> calls me up and he's like, excuse me. Uh, do people ever, do you ever get mad when uh, people say you sound white? You sound white to me. We're on the phone talking. No, it's called education. Yeah. <laughs> and I went, and I went. <laughs> it's education. Whatever, man. What I was born fuck? in Los Angeles. My yeah. parents are educators. Go suck one. Yeah. So we get it all the time, basically. And, uh, if we're not just talking about white people or black people. I want to get off the subject speaking about music, but we get it from both sides. So we really get, we never were able to win. See what I'm saying? If you get what, you know, with the black punk crowd, or you're not, you know, or you get the white crowd, you're not Indian enough. So we really are obscured by clouds. You know, you know? You know what, to, to kill all that stuff, our very first gig 
professionally was with Corrosion of Conformity in 1983. Yeah. Opening for uh, COC, Neon Christ, and Marginal Man. You were called Psycho Daisy. We played to like some hardcore crowd there, man. And like, that's when we got our first taste of like, okay, cool. This can actually work. And we never looked back, man. Until, not, not, never looked back. Yeah, we got we stabbed. Made a, a few bad like, things in business. But me, Marvin, Daniel, and Hayato definitely have a vision to, to see through. You know, see through this thing and to make sure that people get the best out of what we have to offer everybody. You know what I'm saying? Can we go through just real quickly um, the one day out of our life? Um, I really enjoy that. (laughs) Again? (laughs) Well, just can you can you take me through how that how that song sort of germinated? How 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 it came about? Well, it's not my shit. Um, if you just want to make as many hand motions as me, no, 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 you're well, more than welcome to. Well, well, actually, actually, well, like I said, like the the track, the track one day alive began as like a Drake instrumental. Yeah, and we, me and Hydro, caught the vibe of the, of the instrumental and started playing over it, playing guitar over it. We like get together, have a bottle of wine. You know, let the track run, play the guitars, we loop the guitars for a while, and we get a good feeling, you know, a good a good vibe and good guitar line, and then we just take it off from there. Yeah. Until something clicks. You know what I'm saying? But we're, we're, we're working this into the set. We, have, we don't have it in the set yet. We're getting ready to put it. We, after this, we're getting ready to do three dates with the Brian Jones Town Massacre. So that's pretty good. We might be doing something with Anton, too. Anton's work ethic, his attitude about the industry no, is spot on. Uh, yeah. that's, why we, that's why we love him. I like the way he thinks. He said, fuck this shit. I'm putting on my bullshit. I don't give a fuck. I'll give it away. <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. Yeah. It's really funny because we were on the, uh, uh, we were in the van and uh, he was reading this uh, interview. We have a speak interview in our hometown. And he goes, yeah, I like the part where they said, yeah, niggas up on stage. And he goes, I, for one, am with the party that would do away with that record, that 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 word forever. So he's all about like, you know, he he. he that's why he asked us to play. Yeah, he's a righteous brother. Yeah, he is he's a righteous brother. He, he never stopped for anything. Man. Nope. Never that's, that's why we identify with so much because we had so many obstacles in our way that the 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 the, uh, that the person, the average person, would have gave up a long time ago. Oh yeah, Stone Roses. They had some obstacles and they're coming back. Yeah, yeah, they back. I mean, you know. Lawsuits, whatever. They back? They back. Right. <laughs> At 2016, what do you feel like you guys are expected to do when you come and do live? Well, actually, show? first off, we go, we great things have happened because Robert, Bartholomew, and Anton from Brian Jonestown, they really they encourage us when they got time because they're getting really busy. We're playing the, the pre-party for the committee to keep music evil in Austin for the Levitation Festival. And then we may be going to Liverpool to play the Liverpool Psych Fest. So we hope to kind of keep rolling with that. But see, I feel there's like a lot of stuff going on with the EP and the album is already done. So, I mean, they may, they may have us keep working with the EP for the rest of the year. <laughs> really, it's a lot of stuff. No, no, one, no one expect, we, we were like, eh. Yeah, we were like, yeah, yeah we put, whatever, it out, whatever. put it out, whatever. <laughs> we were like, yeah, we were like, I'm like, what? That's like, all we know like, about you guys. Come like, on. You know, we, yeah. we didn't expect anything, and then neither did anybody else. You know, he thought it was a joke. We just okay. We put this out. We'll go play somewhere, and then like we went to Canada. You know, and like it all changed. 
Yeah, we, we play music to play music. We're not playing to get up next to some Iggy Azalea or whatever no. and have somebody rubbing all over the stage with all that garbage. No, yeah, I'm, all that I'm, bullshit. I'm, be <laughs> I'm, I'm not mad at Iggy, though. I'm not mad at her, though. Oh, yeah, I want to talk about um, Ringo Death Star. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. pretty much it. We saw Go them, him. dude. We <laughs> saw them in Toronto. Ringo Death they were Star? fucking amazing. I never seen them. I was fucking there blown was away. Stargazer Lilies from from New York City. They're they're yeah. like friends of Rock, ours. Stargaze. Yeah. Trio. Really? Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Ringo Star. Yeah, I'll check it out. Ringo Death Star. Yeah, if you're in the area, get a chance to check out Stargazer Lilies, Deadly uh, uh, Echo, Mahogany. These are all bands that you should check out. They're from New York. They are good shoegaze bands, so-called shoegaze yeah, bands. I mean, there's, there's a definite collective of bands in the area that are doing good things. How does that feel for you guys to be coming into shoegaze almost another time, whereas you've already been established? Like, do you guys feel, no, we've already been here before? Well, we, we never really thought of, thought of ourselves as shoegaze, but we're like, <laughs> we're like, I'm like, what? We just want to play it and get, get our point across. <laughs> like, yeah. We didn't know what, what we they're called like, it. These, like, kid, these kids are like, yeah, they call you We were like, what? Shoegaze? <laughs> we're like, okay, we just want to, we always thought about, look, we just want to play and get the music out there. We never yeah. thought about what to call I'm it. I'm going to pay my rent. Yeah, what, what to call it? We're like, okay, look. I need to buy a pair of new shoes. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, hell, I mean, it, 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 people are more open-minded. I mean, I, so what, I, I, what can I, we say? Are you into Curtis Mayfield or anything like that? Curtis Mayfield? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely hints of shoegaze and Curtis Mayfield, Marvin Gaye, in the early 70s kind of vibe. If you, yeah, uh, and even Luther Vandross to a certain extent. You know, on Black Radio, there's something called the Quiet Storm. The Quiet Storm is like an R&B night they have. It's an hour, like a, like a happy hour. They play like songs from the 70s, the 60s. It's kind of like a down-tempo R&B, like what's going on. It's like, you know, it's kind of that kind of vibe of like, but they, would, they wouldn't call it shoegaze, but we associate our sound with more of that, that sound than anything else, you know? Like uh, I couldn't care less on uh, Aphrodisiac and yeah. uh, Angel Heart, which Robin produced but never came out on the first Marigolds. Yeah, very much. We're slow jam, slow jam, slow tempo, blaring music. You can gaze at whatever the fuck you want—your shoes, the sky, whatever. Right yeah. on, right on. <laughs> but Luther Vandross, that, that motherfucker, when it's gone, man. We're still gonna be here. Exactly. And it's it's a term that people can uh, familiarize and be happy about, and kind of, you know, people like. People like group things that they know about, basically, is what we're talking about. The commonality is trends are what people are interested in, and record companies don't know a damn thing about art. Oh, that's yeah. See, that's what Ant same thing Anton. That's his See, we got production yeah. though. We got, we got production. My man right here, like he's into soul music too. Every little once in a while we oh, go yeah. to his house. And production, like, right? On yeah. production night, we go over here. I get a little wine in this man. And then like then we like play guitar together. And we just we vibe to like R and B hits and you know the the, the Delphonics. Who else we do? Ooh, Hi, fuck Delphonics. Thanks. Delphonics. Who does do? Uh, Come on, man. The Delphonics. The Meters. And like oh, you know also Booker T. A lot of. But also not only that, a lot of uh, Japanese yeah, traditional awesome. soul music too. Yeah. Oh yeah. A lot of Japanese traditional music too that goes into it too. The Inca. Uh, who else? Haito. A pop music. Haiku. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a lot of Japanese music like and that. And in a way, I'm, I, I, I'm ignorant Japanese, of being Japanese. as amazed that he likes to play that R&B and has a solid base of it, yeah. a solid knowledge of it, and can play it. It's like, ah, it's great. 
It's, it's, it, but it's real. It's real. Yeah. So you real. don't have to be from anywhere, and I'm just as uh, guilty of being surprised at someone that's playing something out of their genre or that they and, but, may but, not have. You know, if you guys go cook some cheese grits for us after, we're going to be astonished. <laughs> why are you? Why yeah. do you have collard greens and cheese grits and I don't know pork belly or something gross yeah. that I don't eat? Ooh. That's typical <laughs> South food, Southern food. So you know you yeah, get but, surprised, but. To sign somebody and then sit them in a corner because you don't understand why you sign them or what they're doing, you don't have a plan. Maybe you're just a fucking idiot. Yeah, yeah, but but see, like the thing about it is, to get somebody into this genre of music is very, very hard. We learned we learned that because to be down for this kind of thing, you got to be you know give half your life to it, like we're doing. But like we're dedicated to making our point, you know. And the thing meeting someone like Hayato is very, very valuable because. To get the point across is it's a hard thing, you know, like to play it, to, to translate it live, to work on it, to give all your whole life to it every day. Wake up, wake up, go sleep with it, you know. Like here, like we came but, way out here, you know. But 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 things happen too where people we've been with before have life, and life life just happens. And sometimes, you know, we just get mad about like hey, fuck the motherfucker, or whatever. But we're like, what? People got people that people have lives. They can't afford to lose everything they've had, like I've had, and like be like, oh well, like we did, yeah, exactly, <laughs> and be, you know, they, not everybody can do that. Yeah. Everybody has different situations, and you can't always be like, fuck them. It's just like life. You, but we take the loss, yeah. but we gain so much more in music, though. We take the loss with a lot of people leaving yeah. and coming, but that only makes us want to work hard at it more. You know what I'm saying? Because it's a, it's almost like a, a cult. Yeah. It's like a cult because you we, we never gave up on it. Yeah. And I really like the cult, actually. And people <laughs> people were like, oh, you still doing music? I'm like, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I didn't know I was, I was supposed to stop, you know? Yeah. Let's uh, prochain, je vais à la, à la comment, comment ça s'appelle, la club? What's it called? What club were we at last night? Comment ça s'appelle, la club? A bar fly. Oh, in Montreal. Okay. Yeah. Écoute, par exemple, this girl goes, yeah, I discovered your band, and you guys have been around for a while. And now, it's like you're a cult band. I was like, yeah, I like that. Sure, why <laughs> the fuck not? Instant gratification is a pop, pop band, and they never last. If you're in the trenches, being a cult you band... appreciate it more. They appreciate it more. Yeah. Like, 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 like Arthur Lee and Love. I gotta be honest. We got signed. We got a lot of money. But there was something innate in me that didn't appreciate it as much. I mean, I, didn't, I wasn't working, because... I missed the work ethic. Getting up every morning and all the guitars and shit I had, I, I just didn't appreciate it because it was like too much. Yeah, I thought, I thought so the same so thing there's too. A, so there's what they call a Goldilocks zone of integrity in music. I think you have to retain some of that. Yeah. And yeah. we learned that being the hunger, the hunger. developed at that point because, you know, we had everything. Like, yeah, it's like, I just didn't give a But and then we, like, we're not the kind of people that like went out and bought cars and, and shit, you know. I can't even like, drive. I, I can honestly tell you right now, I, I want... <laughs> but, but you know, you know, but no, but listen, I, I appreciate. Woo! No, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I want to live comfortably. But as a part of me that looked out in the room, I had 15 guitars. I said to myself, if I lost all this, I wouldn't even care, man, because I know I can. I got my music to to, to continue with. Well, and I work I, hard I, for my shit. You know, I mean, and we work really hard for that. But I'm like, my, something in me was like, this is the value of of the of making music was more than that, more than money, you know. But I did appreciate what we did have. You know, get me wrong, but. Yeah, it's like uh, Christmas. You get all these presents, but then you don't have any family to share it with, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like yeah. You know, you sit, and then you have to wait until you're told you can play with the toys. Yeah. And then, then you all your toys are taken away, and you don't have a home. You're out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like cooking. You know, when you cook, it's kind of nice to share it with somebody. You don't. Absolutely. Kind of, yeah. You know.
okay, uh, so I think we got two more questions left. Adam, you got anything? Take it away, man. Let me All right. Um, so one thing, um, do you guys have anything to plug? You guys should. There's a friend of ours back home named Roscoe Billy. I want to tell him to get bent. <laughs> <laughs> There's a band in Durham that's a metal band called City of Medicine. They're absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you should listen what? to Jingling Baby. This yeah. is the yeah, How yeah. You Live In Tour and Jingling Baby by LL Cool J will explain exactly what we're talking about. What, 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 uh, uh, this is the How You Live In Tour. Oh, yeah, right. listen to LL. So we ask everybody, who, who has been a bigger influence in your life? Uh, Peter Gabriel or Phil Collins? Uh, I would Gabriel, say Gabriel. I would say Peter Gabriel. Gabriel. Yeah, Gabriel. Yeah, Gabriel. Yeah, Gabriel. It's yeah. more like roots. That's a very complex question. First of all, one guy left the band, left everybody in turmoil. Another guy sings better. One guy plays drums. I'm a drummer. You've got one guy who has 20 hits. You got one guy who has one hit. But War Without Frontiers is the best thing ever. So I'm gonna leave it as a blank. No, I said Peter Gabriel because <laughs> so when, I said, when, if you're a drummer, when, stay your ass behind the drums. Don't sing. It looks ridiculous. <laughs> well, that's, that's like saying, like you know, Sid Barrett or David Gilmore. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. It's like it's like Puff with no mace. He's coming back. Phil Collins is coming back. Yeah, yeah he is gonna come have back. you seen Phil Collins' comeback albums? There was he's no. re-released all of them with just his like aged face on all of them. Right. Because all of his albums were just his face on it, and now he's redone it at him age yeah, 65. It, it, it was never really about Flash, anyway. He wasn't. He was like Prince. Look at him. Why are you gonna dress like that for? I don't want to dress like that. Yeah, exactly. If he was all about uh, anything, Phil, he was uh, all about like just uh, Miami like Vice. really good reverb on a snare. It's Phil, Miami Vice. No. It's Phil, that Miami Vice. That scene is so iconic, and I get that, but you can't base your entire world. <laughs> <laughs> it's Miami Vice versus War Without <laughs> Frontiers. So it's it, uh, Phil Collins. That's, you a know mean, what? that's a mean question. It's so loaded, and it's unwinnable. <laughs> it's not, because... There is two different ways to do it. Phil Collins was the number one selling artist of the 80s. Was he? Yeah. He, he sold the I, I 80s. I didn't know he was the number one. Yeah. He sold the 80s Mind based that. on his goddamn face, which looks like mine, except with less <laughs> hair, which is tough to do these days because it's mostly no hair. But it like, got away with it. He got away he with it. He got away shit. with it, man. He got away with it. How did he get away with it? I mean, I don't like Phil Collins' music, per se, or his hit singles at all. It's just the Miami Vice song. He was a producer and a drummer, and he kind of seemed to expand more than Peter Gabriel. Well, I like the one he has with the, with the toppers on it that sounds kind of Indian. <laughs> What's it called? Uh, it's, it's, he did a song that sounded very Indian. That's one song what, what? With, 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 with sitar on it. So you're a sellout if you like Peter Gabriel? Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. One is a sellout answer, and one isn't. Frankly, this question, not mine. That's an indie. That's an indie cred question. That's just like saying you're going to take my indie card if I say Peter Gabriel is not cooler than Phil Collins. I will never say that because you take my card. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have one? Because I have to punch it because you're on this podcast. But you have uh, to charge. 